Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. We are back for the second time this week, just two days removed from our last podcast. In fact, 11 personnel just dropped on Wednesday. It's Thursday night, and Adam Luckett, uh, since the last time we met, the sky has fallen. And I kind of joked with you yesterday um, that, well, I guess we picked a – or, you know, you joked with me. You're like, well, we picked the wrong day to podcast this week. Mm-hmm. The domino effect is in place for the 2020 season. Man, it really is wild, too, how quickly things can change in a short amount of time. So, oh, hell, I didn't even introduce myself. I guess I should name drop myself. I'm Nick Roush. I'm just – like it. I got – I need uh, – you're going to – I'm going to be talking faster than I should be at times. So, some, you might just have to tell me to calm down because my mind's going a 1,000 miles an hour right now. So, just be warned. It's been a strange offseason, to say it the least. And it got really wonky here over the last – not even 48 hours, probably 36. <laughs> well, and the reason why it's so crazy is because one decision, there's so many different avenues. It reminded me of conference down. realignment. Like when Twitter was just – everybody was jumping off the deep end for whatever. Somebody could say anything. Well, we're hearing this, we're hearing that. And that's what it sounded like. Well, um, for a period there yesterday when the ACC made their decision and then the SEC was going to come out and then they said they right. weren't and all kinds of different stuff. Well, in conference realignment, it was early Twitter. This is peak social media when everybody's locked in their homes. So <laughs> the way we consume things is a little bit differently. And like you said, it all started with the ACC unveiling that they're going to go 10 uh, conference games, five home, five away. Uh, they gave out the schedules for everybody, including Notre Dame. And they said that each team could play one non-conference schedule. Uh, a non-conference game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one non-conference game inside their own state. Mm-hmm. Um, so either that team could travel from out of state to there or, you know, just be in-state rivalry game, what have you. So the news breaks and you're like, okay, well, the door's open. Governor's Cup can still be played. And you know what? This is one of the top options the SEC talked about. Like it – so – this this sounds about right. It's just kind of surprising that the ACC jumped first. I mean, I you couldn't fart fast enough before Russ Dellinger is reporting that the SEC is currently moving towards uh, a 10-game conference-only schedule. And it wasn't just moving towards. It was the ADs gave their stamp of approval, and now it was up to the president. President's right. So, it was a little poke by John Swafford, ACC commissioner, who was on his way out. Because yeah. the, the schools didn't know. Like, the schools were – if they would have known, they would have had graphics ready to roll as soon as the announcement came out. That's, the league just point. released it, and the schools didn't know. It was, it was 
it was timed. It was done on purpose because he knew that the SEC was meeting today, which was Thursday morning, and Thursday evening they were going to announce it, and probably that Sankey was going to go on Feinbaum and talk about it, which he did. Mm-hmm. But the ACC just kind of got out in front of it, and they added the little layer of they were going to do the plus one model, which it in the public sphere it made it seem like the SEC was running away from playing their rivals. The SEC is scared. Is right. the uh... – like what the twelve year olds and you know you know what's going to happen, the ACC is going to do conference only. <laughs> they're not going to do the plus one. They're going to well, because because then like who like who cares who you're playing if it's just right. yeah I mean they they would prefer to have an extra week off at that point because at that point you're going to have to play well yeah you're going to play an FCS or a CUSA school who is not going to meet the probably testing requirements that you want or the quarantine requirements because they aren't bound by your league rules. So you're just gonna you're just gonna play the ten games, and then they're gonna play the conference championship game. Yeah, and I, I do think that there is some benefit to those tune-up games, um, just like for right. getting the young guys some experience and whatnot. But in such a weird year, I'm like, yeah, you're scratching and clawing. Um, so it also like it like you said, John Swafford kind of forces saying he got one thing out of this. He got Notre Dame to agree to a full ACC schedule, and he even got them to share their revenue. So I think if you're their league, like that's that's a win automatically. And if you could have preserved those rivalry games, then that's an even that that's a cherry on top. But I, I think having the Notre Dame revenue sharing, I mean, yeah. just to people, get that money, that's gonna <laughs> that's really gonna help out all of those schools. The scope nationally, like people are freaking out about Notre Dame doing this, like. Flabbergasted by it. Ooh, flabbergasted. I haven't heard that but, word in a while. But they really didn't have a choice. Like I thought I always thought the leverage play here was we'll let you play with us this season, but you scratch my back, you're gonna have to we'll scratch your you we'll scratch your back, you're gonna have to scratch mine. I thought they were gonna try to leverage them into something, whether it be, you know, sharing revenue on a more full time basis or playing more ACC games or eventual membership. But the thing with the ACC is they have this contract, the ACC network contract is going to be nickels and dimes, especially once the SEC signs this deal coming mm-hmm. up with ESPN. What is yeah. he fires? Right. That's Big in... Ten has this huge deal with Fox. Mm-hmm. They've got this huge deal with their network with Fox. SEC or ESPN really unloaded to get the SEC network. I um, mean, now they're going to unload again to get – you know, the, the, the CBS top game. game. Right, the CBS yeah. game. And then the ACC, they have the ACC network. But if you go and look at it, they paid very bottom dollar for it, and they have it. They have them locked up for a while, the uh, SEC – or ESPN does, excuse me. So, Notre Dame was a chance for them to really kind of fix those issues. Mm-hmm. I thought that's where the, their play would be, but it's really – it doesn't seem like, at least on a surface level, it is yet. Yeah, and, and you know, my I hadn't – thought of that other than I, I i don't know if he is if nbc is interested at all and the acc network is new um so it's not like it's going up for bid anytime soon yeah. but uh you know maybe this is a way to sell your yeah part of the self to nbc part know? of that contract i think with Notre Dame with the acc games they get to show like two of the road games on the acc network right right um no i'm sure you know that's all up in the air now and like 
like you said, this is Swafford's last year, so he got what he needed to. Um, <laughs> right. he, he he secured the bag and went. My favorite take like it out of all of this, uh, I, I forget who sent it out. I've seen I've I've just consumed everything uh, in the last thirty six hours. Was everybody wants Notre Dame to get a conference schedule, but they they finally got one and it's weaker than their regular schedule. <laughs> Love that take, ACC. Suck yeah, it. when you look when you look at the schedules there in the ACC, it's pretty much set up for them and Clemson to meet again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the thing that I, I like that they're just saying, you know, we don't need divisions. We're just going to go off win percentages. I like that for a variety that's, of reasons. With the ACC, that's kind of my big takeaway with this, is they're seeing how this plays out because I think they're a little sick of the will of destiny over there in the Coastal, a different winner in each year. <laughs> The wheel of Clemson. destiny. I love it. And Clemson is just showing up to Charlotte, and they have an uh, an, an extended walkthrough pretty much. They're just going out here, and they're just demolishing teams. So, for them as a league, it's probably – let's see how this goes. If it goes well, then let's just put our second best, whoever it is, with, with Clemson. At least try to have a good championship game. Because mm-hmm. right now, it's just – it's not even – I can't remember – I guess it was Jameis's. Well, Clemson played Virginia Tech one year. It was kind of a back and forth. I think that was Fuente's first season. Yeah, and I feel like Virginia, you know, they 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 messed around for longer than I expected, but still, yeah, um, like, it was it yeah, was an actual Clemson, ball game. Clemson racked up like a sixty burger. I mean, it, when you think about it in general, aside from the SEC championship, I guess you get a Big Ten one that's pretty good every now and then, but like. These conference championship games suck. They they usually end up being not as good as you would hope they would be. Maybe like the conference conference USA surprisingly has some of the better championship games just because you get a lot of like high flying offenses and they score a ton of points. Maybe the American with like Cincinnati Memphis. That's had a couple, but there's even been blowouts there too with UFC or UCF just rolling teams. So, but I just look at it overall. That that weekend, it's a little overhyped. It, there's usually a lot of blowouts on that weekend. Now, a lot of people will point to divisions, which has has a, a role in it for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think each conference has a big dog usually that's head and shoulders above the rest of the league most times. Well, and those are two points that we're going to end up circling back to. But I, I do want to fast forward to – Today, uh, so the, the the that news kind of broke almost simultaneously yesterday around four thirty five o'clock on Wednesday mm-hmm. afternoon. We knew the presidents were meeting today, and around four fifteen, we were uh, the, the first person the, the the first the the first shoe dropped. Ross Dellinger, who he, he's been all over this. Brett McMurphy's got to be just pissed right now. Uh, he used to be. Oh, there. Ross, he's got a good source inside that league office he really does because he's he's been on top of it um but he was the first report the sec is going to go it it was ratified that they're going to go to that 10 game sec only schedule effectively eliminating the governor's cup and look at the first reaction was what for me at least was okay well let's make some level jokes so you know had to make that uh the second reaction for me was all you people scared of an SEC only schedule can suck it, all right? And third reaction was, you know what? If it's going to be a 10-game schedule, like, that, that's fine. Like, Kentucky, they've got 
that they've got the dogs to to put up with it. And you know what? If they add LSU at home and add Ole Miss, those are both winnable games. Um, very winnable games. And I'd get pretty fired up to have LSU in Lexington because at the time, Dellinger threw out the if they went with the next two rotating cross divisional opponents, this is who would play who. Right. Now, he just said that as an if. The official news comes out about 30 minutes later, and the bastards at the SEC didn't have the gall to create a damn schedule for releasing it. The, the ACC's got their stuff together, okay? They just release a press release out of nowhere. They've got a schedule together. They're ready to roll. They got all the rules down. SEC, you know, let's just have Greg Sankey talk to Paul Feinbaum. Give me a freaking break, ACC, SEC. Come on. Here's my take on the Sankey administration. The SEC has always been a league of first. It was the first team to have a first league to have a conference championship game. The first league to win a BCS championship. The first team to have two teams in the playoff. The first league to have what was it, five, six, seven straight championships? Yeah. Did they it's win the first a, playoff, or was that Ohio State? They no, Ohio State won the first playoff, gotcha. but they were first team to get two, first league to get two teams in the playoff. Mm-hmm. First league to have two teams in a national championship game, and they've done it twice. So overall, they've been a league of first, but they were they were last on on this. Yeah. Now there, there's obvious reasons with the COVID, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before with Mike Slive, they would try to be out in front of everything, try to be mm-hmm. the first one there. Seems like with Sankey, they're cool with taking their time. In- and I think I, I personally of the belief that the ACC and Big 12 were kind of waiting on the SEC to see what they were going to do. And then ACC was just like, well, if you're on, aren't going to make a decision, we'll just go and we're going to do this. We're going to do gonna, it for you. Yeah, we're going to make you look kind of bad while we're doing it. Which gets back to another point, college football commissioner, do we need one? Is it good or is it bad that these – five power conferences act like rich neighbors who who hate each other <laughs> yeah, I mean, is, that, is that good or that bad we've got Rand paul and renee what's his name over here right. cutting down shrubs and are we mad because the big 12 is disobeying the homeowners association because they're they're up to 1 a.m uh building a, a, a weird ass garage that they yeah. won't even and they won't put up a damn fence either play right. some defense damn right. it uh, right. but I will at least say that, like, there, there is part of me that I'm like, I understand Sankey wanting to be patient and wait this thing out because he's in all the states that everything's the worst right now. So you, it'd be a bad look. Uh, so the on top of the 10-game schedule, it said it's going to start September 26th. But that's it. Those are the only details we're given. I will say that I am a little bit worried, Luckett, because waiting to start till September 26, it at least follows Sankey's kind of mindset of we're buying time. But when you eventually you just keep kicking the can down the road till you there's nothing you're Charlie Brown in it, you know, and there's nothing there to kick. There, there's nowhere to go. And I, I do worry that things just won't get better. And Ultimately, it leaves open the door for them to say, "Well, we're actually not going to end up playing football." That's my that's my one concern about pushing this all the way down to late September. The sell is that they're bringing all these kids back to campus, so there's going to be an outbreaks, an outbreak. So it's getting through that little period, which I don't know how how they're going to do that. 
like how can you have class if you have to be six feet apart? I mean, in some of my class, like in lecture halls, if you reduce the number, you could in the smaller class, like, I mean, I probably had only like 20 kids. It was usually only about a dozen. Well, it gets, it gets back to the fact, like, do you really need this brick and mortar? Like how many of those classes can you pretty much do online? Right. Right. And they, and they will for the most part, but I think just in general, you, the, the uptick is going to be inevitable. Uh, most players I think are smart, but I mean, you can't tell me that there's some sort of backup quarterback somewhere that is, you know, blue mountain state in it, or you're just like, I, I'm here to tell all the girls that I'm a football player, you know, the walk on red shirt junior, who's 21, 22 years old. Oh, he's tearing maybe, up. Title he's maybe ba- back up you know, on a couple special teams. Yeah. Okay. Try to tell that guy he can't go out and drink. 28 by life tonight. He's <laughs> Very specific it. number, like it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's almost as if you might have some sort of experience or whatnot. Uh, I, I'll plead the fifth on that. Uh, fifth of Kentucky gentlemen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, those are the guys I think to worry about. Like, the Jamar Chases of the world, the Derek Stingleys, Terry Wilson, the Trevor Lawrence's, yeah. or yeah, or even Kentucky, like the, the Drake Jacksons. Mm-hmm. The people that are probably are the Landon Youngs, the people that are like top shelf, um, important players, NFL prospects, they're not going to go out and raise a ruckus because they got bigger stuff to worry about. And football players, like, it's exhausting playing this sport. Like, <laughs> I think when you ask most of these guys during the season, like, yeah, there is some time where they go out and blow off some steam. But most times after games, they're probably gassed from a week of, a yeah. week of practice, school, a, a, a physical game. A lot of times they're playing at night anyway. So right, right. So then Sunday it's just you know recoup day. Mm-hmm. But you, but, but, the, the, but there are there is a faction of the team that it's, I, I think that's the faction. It's going to be guys that really aren't seeing the field. That right. You maybe have to watch out for. And those are worries, obviously. That you, I think they'll try to plan for. Um, but buying more time, I think. It is consistent with Sankey. I think it could still work. It's a month later. We've got to wait wait longer for football. Uh, but uh, now we get a two month preseason though. Yeah, which on this end, I don't think it's going to uh, change how, what the players are doing as far as practice time and stuff because the NCAA already proved that calendar. So mm-hmm. that is what we know. But to go back to where I'm really pissed off at the SEC. And Sankey's quote, it made me even matter. I don't have it pulled up because that's how angry I am. But he essentially told Feinbaum, well, how are y'all going to pick the final two? Well, you know, we figured we'd just take one thing at a time. We can figure that out later. And the rest can be good afternoon fodder for you. And I was just like, oh, you son of a – I want to – I need to know stuff, damn it. Uh, and to – Go back to what Dellinger said earlier. That was just him kind of speculating. And I think he reported saying he might have said something, but essentially they're like, you know what? We might just try to even the schedule out as much. And in Louisville's case, I'm pretty sure they just added two games. I don't think there's anything uh, out of the – like I, I'm pretty sure the conference opponents they were supposed to play, they're playing them, and then they just added two. But they got but, – but SEC kept divisions. The ACC just – scratch divisions like Louisville's not playing NC State who's a divisional opponent I think what they tried to do is geography it as much as possible 
and then figure out the numbers from there so you had even amounts of home games and away games. Well, I do know at least that the big ones remained on the schedule for them. Like, they, they kept uh, – Except Clemson. I mean, Clemson's not on the schedule. So that was their one exception that they mm-hmm. lost. Either way, uh, they're talking about conference on, you know, all of this different crap. It's basically all a bunch of different crap. And before I'd start stumbling over my words anymore, who did it better? Just who has the best scheduling format during coronavirus, ACC or SEC? Well, I don't know that. I mean, are you talking about like the schedules and how the games work out? All of it. What we've learned the last two days. Well, I think it's pretty obvious the ACC won this week. And I think they, it's, they made the SEC look bad. I think it's also just wise to not mess around with divisions. And for practical purposes, if you want to talk flexibility, if you have all this division stuff, what if you have to cancel an Eastern division game and then you end up playing a what? Like there, there's a lot of different weird things in here, whereas the ACC is purely determined on winning percentage. So winning percentage doesn't – it has nothing to do with who you play to win. If you have a couple games canceled and you can't rec- make them up for whatever reason, I know they're going to build some into the schedule. The SEC is going to have some in the middle, and then they're leaving a bye week ahead of conference championship week. That can be a makeup week as well. But with divisions, this can get really messy. And mm-hmm. it's it's messy for no bleeping reason at all. It's so freaking stupid. Put divisions into the sun. They're stupid. Pod scheduling is the way of the future. That this If that doesn't happen in two years, then I don't know what that – they need to get off their damn asses over in Birmingham. It's just driving me insane. Look, it's it, so could de- it, stupid. it could definitely put, the, put that in the fast lane. And, and here's the, the thing, too. Like it, this is the one year where I would probably – I'm trying to think of the league as a whole, so how this would affect Kentucky. And really, they already had two of the three best teams in the league on their schedule, Georgia and Florida. I would rank them Alabama, Georgia, Florida in some order, and then I guess A&M, and then maybe – a mix of Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU. Like, it, it's it's a hodgepodge in the middle. And there are a lot more bottom feeders on that western end uh, with brand-new head coaches. Because, like, Mississippi State could absolutely flame out. Ole Miss, they aren't going to be able to do much with Lane Kiffin first year. Uh, Arkansas, 0-10. That's going to happen. Vandy's 0-10. Well, they're going to get – I'm telling you right now, they're going to let Vandy and Arkansas play each other. <laughs> the toilet bowl? That's a guarantee. Yeah, uh, made the, they can't. The get, they can't have two old. Ten, they can't. They can't have two old ten teams in the league. They just can't. But I, I think when we we talked about the quarterbacks last week and the the flat tier that Phil had, where it was six first teams, a bunch mm-hmm. of really this year is the year where no divisions makes the most sense because there's probably the most middle tier teams uh, like Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina. LSU, Auburn, a lot of teams that could be anywhere from on a on a regular season between nine and three and six and six, just all, all mixed up, and it would come down to a few plays. So, this is the time to just open the damn floodgates, SEC. Just do it. Rip the bandaid off. They're playing two divisions. That's just ugh, gross. I hate it. In case you couldn't tell, like it. Yeah, I just, I I can't wait to get well. 
I was willing to take my time, obviously, but three or four years down the road to see the changes that this initiates. Scheduling-wise, do you see a demand from fans for their teams to stop playing these FCS and two G5 teams, play more, you know, big boy schools? That's a, a big Stuart Mandel. He's, yeah. he's, he's been all over that take. Like, who's going to want to come back to watch him play, you know? Mm-hmm. Is this finally the motivation when SEC sees it's not too terribly bad that their league has to play 10 games? Would they be willing to go to a nine-game schedule after that? Mm-hmm. I just think – I think there's a lot at play. I think this a, a elongated season, do they look at it and be like, why are we in such a rush to get this season done in 13 weeks? Yeah. Like, why, like why, what's the reason we have to do this in 13 weeks? The two why can't weeks, every team have two buys? The two buy weeks worked well last year. Yeah. Why, 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 why can't they stretch this out a little bit more? Why don't, I mean, I don't, I don't understand why. They, some, they've just done things a certain way for so long <laughs> that they've never had to change, so they're just kind of comfortable with it. Right. But this is kind of pushing them out of their comfort zone where they, I think – we could see like, oh, this might, this is actually probably better for our sport. Maybe we should do it this way or that way. I don't mm-hmm. know what those things are, but I think a couple of those things are coming, and I'm just interested to see uh, what they are, what they are when, when when everything develops. Now, obviously, the SEC they have time to, uh, like, they can change mm-hmm. how they format all of this. All my griping over divisions that might have all been for naught. I just like that the ACC in. In a lot of things that we're doing with coronavirus, when sports leagues are making decisions, you've got a bunch of old farts sitting in a stuffy meeting room. You know, like I'm envisioning like in the 60s, dudes chomping on cigars with like uh, decanters back there and they're all drunk and in a hazy room. That's not the case. But I like when leagues basically act like 12 year olds trying to make a like they're just trying to make a tournament with their friends. And this is the best possible outcome that you can have. Uh, you know, the MLS kind of did it, even though I don't really care about the MLS, but they kind of did where we're going to do a, a pool system and kind of go off of that and make a big tournament. Uh, the, the, the same for the, uh, the NHL. The ACC, it felt like they went that route, whereas the SEC is just kind of, we're going to do the same old thing. Now, what, what, what are, do you have any proposals what do you think are some of the ways they could go about choosing these cross divisional opponents? Cause I think they could have, like they could actually have some fun with some of this. I don't hate this strength of schedule idea. I think if done right, it's probably the best thing for everybody. So how can you explain the strength of schedule? Like how that would kind of work in as just an example. Well, I think that I, Pull Stills numbers um, right before we recorded. Um, SEC strength of schedule. These have conference games baked in. Had to, you know, with that a grain of salt. So, like, South Carolina and Arkansas have the two toughest schedules, while Kentucky and A&M have the two lightest schedules, our two easiest schedules per per fill. Um, so, I would assume – I guess, I guess it depends. I don't really know how, how it would break down, how you would – figure it out but I, I, I look at this. Alabama's the best team okay mm-hmm. um so they have to they would have to play I would assume 
one team that has a tough schedule and one team that has a not tough schedule, I guess. And then it would be like that. I, like I would assume Kentucky because they have a okay. Let's just start from Kentucky standpoint. They have a soft schedule, so they would probably get them with one of the better teams and then one of the weaker teams because they're down at the bottom. If it was like a snake draft, I guess. Right, and that's so why the get, Ole Miss LSU kind of made sense. There are Alabama, Arkansas. Okay, which I really, I really don't think they want to mess with that man. That rotation. They've got it set the next couple of years. I really don't think they want to mess with that. Yeah, well, I don't think that would infinity. I don't think they would have come out with this the schedule model if they weren't keeping on schedules as it. I don't think they want to mess with these next couple of years of schedule. That's fair. That that from goes personal, back to to the personal stand, we don't want to make a one year problem a three year problem or whatever. Right. Yeah. From a personal standpoint, I don't want to lose that tailgate for when LSU comes into town. And I don't want to lose – I'm losing that road trip to Auburn. I do not want to lose a road trip to the Grove. Yeah. He hasn't been to the Grove since 2010. I don't yeah. I don't want to lose another one. That's, that's I don't want to be 43 point. when my first time going to the Grove. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm with you right there, Lockett. Um, now – I do think they could also have some fun. Wes Rucker is a huge Tennessee hunk, and he writes for 24-7. And he, the thing is, is he does a good job, but he just makes me mad because he acts like he's not a homer. It's like, dude, if you're a homer, just embrace it. Don't try to be like this big J journalist who is unbiased. It's like, dude, just, just be the Tennessee guy. We get it. It's fine. But he came up with an idea a few weeks back, and he retweeted it today. And it's really a great idea. It's like, why not just make it like the NBA lottery? And you have a televised draft lottery where Paul Feinbaum and Greg Sankey are in the SEC Network studio, and they've got all the teams up on the board, and, you know, you're finding different ways to depict who's going to be who. That who that would be – I mean, can you imagine – The conspiracies that would come from that would just be all oh, time. It would, it would be beautiful. I mean, I mean – I'm just thinking of like what could happen on some of these real diehard message boards. It just it could be a beautiful, beautiful television event, and it would be a great way to give us a nice little taste of SEC football when we have to wait an extra four weeks for it to happen. That is going to be weird if the Big Twelve sticks with their schedule, and Big Ten hasn't announced when they're starting. They'll probably do the same as SEC. I would imagine. I mean, but like three days ago, we were talking about them moving up to week zero. <laughs> Oklahoma said they're playing week zero. Oh, God. This stuff is just absolutely It's going to be funnier than hell if there's only one game on week zero and then else plays to week two. And then it's just Bobby Petrino. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first game, first and only game we get yeah. for a few. I mean, hell, because the NFL, they might not even start on time. So, our introduction to football, football's back. Bobby Petrino. And oh. <laughs> I'm interested, and I'm interested, like, these G5 schools. What's their move now? Yeah, because it's so expensive to field a football team. Like, it, you know, I know a, a well, lot The of, money's already invested. They, they have to play this year. But, like, from a safety issue, will they feel a safe? Because, obviously, there, there's a window there now that they can really get into and take mm-hmm. advantage of. Right. And well, and hell, the Mac, the money, the Mac, all the schools are in Ohio. So, like, I mean, all but like, yeah, Mac, you can drive to, you can drive to pretty much every game. Yeah. So, 
you're, but I mean, like you're, there's CUSA in some belt schools. UAB is in the CSA, mm-hmm. but then there's like Troy and South Alabama in the Sun Belt. They could all play it. each other. Right. You just mash up the conferences together. Yeah, you could join them with like Louisiana and Mississippi. You have Southern Miss mm-hmm. and CSA, Louisiana Tech and CSA, but then Louisiana Lafayette and then Louisiana Monroe are all in Sun Belt. Wait, wait, what? Tech- you're, you're talking about conferences in, in regions. This is crazy talk, Lucky. Oh, you can't be putting teams in the same area then in there's the same like, conference. There's like eight G5 schools in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, one of the new ones, like some of them are in the Mountain West and some of them are – and it's like, wait, whoa, 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 Texas is not the mountains. But Right. They, UTEP is closer to anything in New Mexico or than it, it is any big city in Texas. Huh. Hey, the more you know. Mm-hmm. It's like Texarkana. It takes forever to get to anywhere from, from El Paso. Oh, well, I won't be going to El Paso anytime soon. Uh, I mean, that, that is a good point about the G5s. Though. I was thinking more of it. I know a lot of FCS teams have hung it up. But for the G5, that's where they're really going to have to coordinate together. I know some belt, they've got a meeting scheduled for tomorrow. So, I know we kind of joked when the Ivy League well, made their announcement. Do, but Yeah, they could do something really cool where they maybe got – like they make a pod system. And then you have, like, pool play with, like, I don't know, five teams in your pod or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then winner from the pod, go, and then they play in, like, some tournament. Yeah. It could be pretty – if they could pull it off. I just don't know if they could pull it off. But that's when you would need a college football commissioner to kind right. of step in. And if there's anything I learned from that KHSAA board meeting, a lot of these places, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, democracy is great up to a certain point. Every once in a while, you just need a dictator to get things going. And – Having that would especially benefit Group of Five, and it's going to further deepen the divide between the the G Five and the uh, the rest of the Power Five. And hell, think about the American Conference. And I mean Cincinnati, who they've been recruiting like gangbusters with Luke Fickle. That's Memphis, a good league too. I mean, and they're all spread out, and they're just kind of left hanging. Mm-hmm. So think about Independence. BYU, UConn now, Liberty. Well, what the hell do they do? Just play each other four times? Oh, man. Oh, we're not going to get Hugh Freeze in a hospital bed. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, here's a, another question I've got for you. Why do we think the SEC only played 10 conference games? Do you have any reason why? Why that number? Or just why conference only? Why not do the plus one? Why do we think that they ultimately decided this option? I, that's a good question. I, don't, I, have, I, a, I have a conspiracy theory like it. What is your conspiracy? It's, this isn't. I'm gonna. We're just gonna call him Phil Fulmer. No, this isn't. This isn't a, a Fulmer conspiracy. But it is all tied into money. I think money talks in these situations and. When you're dealing with when, – when they were trying to make this decision, I think they had to mitigate a lot of factors. Of course, health and safety and all that stuff. But a lot of these schools, they still wanted to play – I mean, think about the money in the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic that you're going to make from TV in that game. There's a lot of money to be made in playing in these rivalry games and playing in these kickoff classics. But on the flip side, you have to look at what you would lose in your buy game. 
So how much you're paying, uh, for Kentucky's sake, Eastern Michigan, Eastern Illinois, and Kent State. Kent State. It was a combined like $2.6 million, give or take. So that's, that's just Kentucky. There's a lot of other schools like that. And I, I'm sure Alabama, they, they have their own in-state rival. Well, no, they, they were doing a kickoff classic thing. But still, schools have to pay upwards of $2 million for these bad games. And when the lawyers get involved, there's – I mean, they would fight it tooth and nail. But I, I remember that, that hurricane game where it got canceled and uh, the team flew in to play Florida and it didn't happen and they just – they that Florida had to buy them out, and that school, you know, got like a 1.7 million for not even playing the game. Forget who it was, it might have been Jackson State or something like that. In these contracts, there's typically a if the schedule format changes, this can be voided without any cause. And I think what happens like it is that an oh, an attorney that would be so uh, the 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 plaintiffs which would be the the group of five schools i think they would be suing the pants off of like kent state would be suing uk for their 1.5 million bucks saying you're playing louisville why can't you play us Mm -hmm. and they would try to or argue that it's a schedule format the sec in the uk but ultimately if you set that in front of a jury it's like well you're playing one non-conference team what's what's the deal why can't you play all your non-conference teams so I think ultimately when, when you weigh the, the, just the money, the cost-benefit analysis, do you risk having to pay $2.5 million to play your rival and, you know, make – I don't know what they would make playing Louisville at home uh, if it was at home. But, you know, uh, you'd come out $2 million in the hole, let's just say. I'm just kicking that number around. I don't know if it'd be $500,000. But the, I think the SEC, from a financial standpoint – had a lot more to lose by potentially having to pay for these buyout games than to win by playing uh, these rivals. And as a result, you had a unanimous vote. Uh, the South Carolina Board of Trustee leaked out that their president, Caslin was the only guy who voted. That, guy, uh, that guy's a nut, by the way. Yeah, the, he's a big military guy. Yeah. Yeah, he – uh. And he said because that rivalry means more. I think he was just looking for cause to, to fire Muschamp after he goes, you know, two and eight this year. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I don't think that's a vote where you really you're supposed to vote no. No, it's not. It's kind of a gentleman's agreement and then let's vote on it. Caslon doesn't know how to read the room, though. He's military. He just – he yeah. does he does what he does. Yeah. But do you think do you think my, there's any legs to my my theory like it? Yeah, I could definitely see that. I just think it's just in the time we're in. I think a lot of it is it's just easier to rule over teams when everybody has to kind of abide by the same rules. Yeah. So Where the conference or the college football commissioner could come in and help, but like, I mean, so there's four ACC rivals. Kentucky, Louisville, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And, but then – and then I think there would have been three SEC teams. So, you're still looking at – that they were playing kickoff classics. So, there's still a handful of teams that would need another non-conference game. Mm-hmm. And, hell, most of them might just want to take that by. And so no that, offense – yeah, go ahead. No offense, but – go, go. That was just one more problem they'd have to mm-hmm. deal with instead of just, all right, we got our 10. We'll just deal with it. We don't got to deal with you guys. 
no offense, but these rivalry games, that these specific ones kind of suck right now. No, like it, I disagree. I've thoroughly enjoyed kicking the <laughs> hell out of Louisville. Well, I mean, glorious. I think you could argue that one's been the be- the best one. Clemson's on a different stratosphere than South Carolina. Georgia Tech just gutted itself while Georgia's recruiting at a top five level. And then Florida State is just – they suck right now. I mean, it's going to take them a few years to get back. Like, none of those He's games- won 101 to 23 over the last two years, and that might be the best game. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky is on Louisville yeah, the last two years. So I don't like these these games not being around for this year, I don't think it's like a huge deal. I yeah. think it sucks. It sucks locally because those games matter or the big time to yeah. those local markets. It sucks. But other than that, like those games aren't really a blip on the radar. Right. Like, right. Even on that on that day, that that championship or that yeah, that Rivalry Saturday, those games the last two, three, four years aren't even a blip on the radar. Yeah, the big one, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Iron Bowl. They're playing all those – yeah, they're playing all those games at noon. Yeah. Every one of those games is being played at noon to get out of the way for Alabama-Auburn at 3.30. And then even at noon, everybody's watching Michigan-Ohio State. I'm trying to think. What is, is there another big one? I, I, the the Penn State Minnesota wasn't that last weekend. I don't know who else. No. Was I'm losing my mind right now. Um, whew, that was that was a lot. Now, like it, I, I want to go back to our University of Kentucky Wildcats, and I think throughout this all, there's going to be a lot of folks who are going to say, "Oh man, Kentucky! Oh, there there's ten SEC games. How are they going to do it?" Wah, wah, wah. Kentucky's never been built better for this. They're 10 deep on the defensive line, and they're just going to be rolling dudes in and out. Your third – like, if, if push comes to sub, your third string nose was a five-star player last year, five-star. Like, defensive line, they're loaded. Offensive line, they got four all-SEC offensive linemen. You just got to find you a left guard. And we saw two boys, R.J. Adams and Jeremy Flax. If Austin Dodson or Kenneth Horsey or one of those guys can't get it done, Quay Mahone, oh, then I, I'm, I'm I'm certain they'll be able to figure it out to be able to fill in a role. And then the same applies for the secondary. Really, the only areas where you're thin, it's in the passing game, which you're you're probably going to have to lean on at times just because of the, the grueling kind of uh, uh, nature of play in the SEC. But Kentucky's built for this. The goal and- should be a winning record for sure. Yeah, there shouldn't still be a winning record. Like that, all these people, oh man, six and four. No, like that, they're saying that's like a, as like a ceiling. Like, I, hell, they can go eight and two. There's and only, the bulk, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on schedule. Like, we have to see how the schedule breaks. And look at all of these are games that we talk about that are such a big deal. A lot of the reason why they're a big deal is because they're on the road. Is Tennessee that daunting of a task if there's nobody in Neyland Stadium? And you can't hear that stupid ass song for two hours straight. No, it's not. It's I, Bandy I know it, might have, Bandy might have the biggest home field advantage because visiting fans will be there. <laughs> oh man, that's like all the people ragging on. people ragging on the Marlins. Like, oh, I played for the Marlins. We're used to playing without fans. <laughs> oh man, but, no, but that's real talk. Yeah, yeah every game. Like, 
last year, every game Vandy went to at home, at home, league game, there was – played LSU at home. Who else did they play? Georgia at home. They just took over their stadium. The saddest part Even of it all. Was, Kentucky had 15,000, I'd say, down there. Well, Vandy's two. Even in their, like, press boxes, they would serve food based on the visiting team, not based on, like, Nashville hot <laughs> chicken or something. They would just – Oh, Kentucky's coming. Let's get a hot brownie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, LSU's coming here. We'll serve up some gumbo. Yeah. Uh, but but I think back to where we, I was at the beginning talking about the kind of tier. The SEC this year, uh, you sent me a Dan Mulkin tweet about how this could cost the league a chance in the national championship. Dan Mulkin's an idiot who always has to have the worst takes on everything. He's the worst. That guy. <laughs> but – I think if you were going to make any point, it would just be tough because there isn't like a juggernaut in the league this year. There's three, maybe four teams at the top. We'll just we'll just say four. We'll say Alabama, A and M. We'll include LSU because you know they're the champs, so you got to knock them off. But LSU, they're they're going to be a shell of themselves this year. So uh, three to five being generous teams near the top, but there's nothing really that's separating them dramatically from one another. So. Really, I know the Vegas lines are going to be all off because of home field advantage in the points. But, like, I'm trying to – like, Auburn Auburn is a win with or without fans down there. I don't think Auburn's going to be that good. Mississippi State, what are they going to do with Mike Leach? Like, that's going to be a disaster. So, I, now, granted, I'm a little worked up right now, like it. I know all of our listeners can tell. But – uh, I, this notion that Kentucky is somehow going to be worse off because of the – no, they're going to be just fine. If anything, their backups aren't going to get as much PT because they don't get to beat up on Eastern yeah. Michigan. There's no – I think it goes both ways. There's no like, oh, we're screwed or there's all, this is great. I don't think it works. I think it meets in the middle. Everybody has – everybody's in the same situation. And John Neighbors, who covers Arkansas today, had an all-time tweet. <laughs> Pretty much said, I cannot, do, I cannot do an 0 10 season. <laughs> and, and really, Arkansas and Vandy, they're the only ones yeah. that are in that. Um, you, think, you think Kentucky, like it's unfair to Kentucky? Poor Derek Mason. Yeah, he's done. That guy is in the middle of a sinking ship. His, his administration <sighs> is just eating that, each other alive. That article he, in The Athletic. Like it was just – it, it kind of aired off the dirty laundry that goes on in that athletic department. What a mess. That is a he disaster. Has, he just had to fire a bunch of coaches, has two new coordinators. His offense is going to be god-awful, and now he's got to go play 10 SEC games. <laughs> With Danny Clark at quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And a true freshman from Texas, you probably mm-hmm. will be their starting quarterback. Man. They're going to – like, that kid probably has some promise, but he's going to get fed to the wolves from the jump. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I think I think you you have the valid the, – the tempered point of, like, really, you're trading a, a couple guaranteed – you're really trading two guaranteed wins. You're trading a Louisville win and another Mac win to play probably two average SEC foes. The, the, the yeah, mean we- will probably meet in the middle. We have to look at it totally different, too, because it's only 10 games, if the 10 games to be played. So, you get to seven and three. That's a hell. That's, that's one of the best programs seasons ever, no matter who the seven wins are. 
Yeah, <laughs> it really is. You know, and it's it's going to be like you said, not just four or five You're years still... down from now, but looking at the record books, mm -hmm. and you see, well, well, Stoops just had this run of seven wins. That's seven win season in a ten game yeah. All SEC year. These should be like weighted GPA. These records should be weighted. Yeah, add a point two five to right. every win. Um, but like it, there were there were two things I really want to touch on that are non-related to scheduling because like you said we don't have the schedule yet when that's going to happen i don't know i'm fired up about it that we don't know but I, i'm i can only have steam rolling on my ears for so much longer camp opens august 7th are they really going to start practice without knowing how their schedule breaks down like it's not this hard to come up with a schedule yeah they'll figure it out you next can week do it you can do it in a week. I think we should have – maybe this time next week we should have schedules in our hands. So maybe we're just going to have to wait to record 11 personnel a little later. Maybe. Maybe so. Uh, Non-related -re to the schedule, uh, Torrance Davis, uh, we got the word at KSR that he's going to be coming to campus shortly. He's not there yet. I did find it out. He's not on campus yet, but he'll be on his way. And – the part that I, I was always ho-hum on this because Travis Graff and the guys at Cats Illustrated, they've been talking to him for a while. He's been saying that he's coming. He's been saying that he's coming. Uh, and I was always kind of skeptical. I was playing the kind of wait-and-see game. But uh, apparently he has been cleared. And the thing that I found interesting, look, is that Roland said, watch out for him at linebacker. And, hell, that could, that, that could solve some death problems inside pretty quickly. It could help. I mean, when I watched his tape, his play at receiver was – that's why I comped him to – my player comp for him was Jalen Hurd mm -hmm. because he's got – I think he's got the skill set to play multiple positions. So, him saying, well that, open space. him saying that he could maybe be factor at linebacker does not surprise me. He's big as hell. I, I, I saw him the day he committed. He went to a camp at UK. Uh, and like Bo Allen, John Young, a bunch of those commits were there. And he – I was like – Jesus, that guy's a running back. So, if you they, I mean, they, their numbers are pretty good at running back right now. Right, and they're not good at linebacker. And one other thought, a little food for thought. Juco's moving back. I don't know what Joko Willis – did we talk about this? Have, we, have I talked about this with you? That is good. Moving back to spring. We talked about him. Like, what if he – what if yeah, he could we talked, just show up this fall? Okay. That's what we, right, talked, we talked about. We talked about that. Okay. I, everything's running together. How, but. how about uh, all this cold weather football we're about to get? Oh, that <laughs> visors and long sleeves yeah, and receiver yeah. gloves. Look, it's ready to roll. This is, make sure he can get in the damn stadium. I might have to put the TV outside and just watch it in the elements. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was the other thing Mitch Barnard said today, and it was nothing earth-shattering. He was talking to the Rotary Club and said, I don't think we're going to have 100% uh, attendance of the games. It's like, oh, really, Mitch? It's not going to be 100%. Uh, and he did note kind of like what I mentioned uh, earlier about the Louisville City game where they kind of have people in pods all, mm -hmm. all throughout the stadium. That would be how they sort it out. The yeah. thing that That's I still thought, to be determined. Like, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. A lot they're, of it's gonna, they're not going to know until probably a couple weeks before maybe a week the games kick before. off. Yeah. Right. Uh, After Labor Day. But uh, my radio partner, TJ Walker, got, a, got word that UK is installing uh, like the screen protectors, the like uh, – not for your phone, but uh, the divider section in like concession stands and stuff. So mm -hmm. they're at least preparing for the inevitability if concession stand workers are serving people. Right. Um, he also said that in the meeting rooms, 
that like every in the quarterback meeting rooms everybody's in like a different corner so that like if one guy does gets it the whole team the, all the quarterbacks don't get it yeah you definitely don't want that happening that could be bad you know what too you're you probably shouldn't be practicing at the crow game too you should probably keep it on the practice field so you can space everything out a little bit better that's true but look at I'm, I'm out of stuff I'm, I'm running out of steam do you have any more uh takes that we did not cover because we I, we covered a lot we went hot and heavy seven week fall camp that's another thing like how well does that go over that's a long time for the players to be in a camp but it gives the coaches more time to work with them and potentially get them in better i don't know playing shape or whatnot so that's a change I could see. Does that work out good or not good? I think you have uh, – I think the freshmen, because they don't get those – Yeah, it helps out for sure. I think that during this extended fall camp, they'll probably get like a scrimmage where the ones do one series and then it's just all under right. getting reps. So I think you'll see more of that. Uh, and, and you'll also probably see more team activities, uh, you know, renting out a pool somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like if it, if it's just them, then you know, I think they'd be safe to go. And the reason why I thought of that, like it, is I was scrolling through Lynn Bowden pictures today. Remember the picture of him with the life jacket on and those goggles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lynn Bowden, that guy. Oh man. Well, now I'm just ready for Furious One and Seven. Will Muschamp on December first. Oh man, and they're not going to be able to fire me there. He's going to be <laughs> like, hey, listen, I didn't have a full year. I didn't have any guys beat up. Oh man. I love it. Now I want to see if they open recruiting at all for visits or any type of thing. Because if that happens, we're about to see so many flips, man. I hope it does. I hope but, it does. But I don't know. There's still a lot of hurdles to jump through. I myself, I'm just excited. Yeah, yeah. We got a little more juice like, to talk about things, you know. It feels like it's normal. Now we have a two-month kind of ramp up to the season where we can just start actually previewing football. It's, which is why we need these damn schedules, Greg Sankey, so we can start breaking stuff down. But it just it's it's just nice to talk about this right now. And hopefully we they can get through it and nothing too bad will happen. And when there's an outbreak, let's not all freak out. Let's take our time with it. And like the world's not ending if a couple of players get COVID on their team. Right. Uh, ho- ho- hopefully there's no this- Marlins situation. But it, even if there is, hopefully it happens towards the beginning of fall camp so they had time to fix it where it doesn't become a huge issue correct correct and, and also this whole buying time thing like the goal should be so that you have protocols in place so that you know when this stuff hits the fan you you follow the rules and you nip it in the book yeah it's almost like they're hoping the nfl messes it up so they can learn from their mistakes early <laughs> Oh, man. Well, uh, we're not going to mess around, mess up any longer. I think it's, uh, as you might say at a market, it's Bud Light time. It's about that time, my man. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you. It's been great for you all listening to us. And uh, who knows when we'll see you again. It's a crazy, crazy world we're living in. Stuff's happening at a rapid, rapid pace. And either way, we're going to be here with you through it all. Uh, As always, stay safe. Go Cats and go Kroger. (laughs) 